Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. My name is Alan Bradford, coming to you from Knoxville, Tennessee. And with me today is Terry Ishi in Austin, Texas. How are you doing, Terry? I'm fantastic, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's raining here, so, you know, whatever it is, it is. Uh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. But, hey, today I'm kind of excited. We're going to continue the discussion um, that we've been calling Questions That the Church Should Be Asking. And today we've invited... Monica and Jeremy Chambers, which we've just figured out. Jeremy, this is his fourth time on the podcast, and Monica, this is your third time. So Jeremy cheated once without you. Um, it's probably because you were too busy with clients and we couldn't schedule with you. But so four timers, you know, if you hit the five timers, I think there's a jacket. I think we have like a some sort of forged jacket you get to wear. Um, but yeah, if you get the chance, go back and especially listen to uh, the, the interview that um, Jeremy and Monica did with Roland. That was in season two. Uh, I think it was, that was called The Interview. So you kind of get to know a little bit about them. But let me kind of share a little bit about Monica and Jeremy. They are living in Richmond, Virginia. And they live there as uh, missionaries, as part of a disciple-making movement. They're connecting all sorts of ministries, all sorts of um, churches. Definitely have a big heart for Richmond. They're also authors. They put out, was it a year and a half, two years ago, I think? One year ago, only one year ago, Kingdom Contours, uh, which is a great book. Everybody should get it. You can get it at Amazon. Is there any other places you can get it? Mm, no, Amazon's it. Amazon's it. All right, so definitely go to Amazon, check out Kingdom Contours. Um, and and that's let me give you just a little description of Kingdom Contours. It's a compilation of proven tools and practical wisdom for those who want to develop a vision for discipleship with the king, within the kingdom of heaven as a movement. Um, and it's great. It is so it's so good for just about anybody to have. If you're looking to to be on movement and you're in your neighborhood, your area, I definitely highly recommend it. But here's the thing I'm most excited about is, uh, you know, we, we discussed this a couple of episodes ago with Jaime. We talked about translating a lot of the Forge material into Spanish. And Monica is helping uh, kind of lead that. Kind of give us an update. Where are things going with that right now? Yeah, uh, it's cool. It's exciting. I mean, right now, so obviously we're trying to make this so that a lot of more like, it's very contextualized to Latin Americans, to Spanish speakers in general. And um, so most of the people kind of doing the videos are Latinos of some sort. And are, we are also kind of, we are practitioners as well. So we're speaking out of even our own experiences, our own things that we've learned and stuff like that. And so obviously forge the original forge residency super has influenced us like indivi as individuals and in our own communities and so we're really excited to be able to get this into spanish speakers hands and eyes because it's a lot of videos and we're really excited and for me like i'm from costa rica and so in, in the last maybe four or so years i've had increasing conversations with friends there where something like the forge residency would be super applicable super um helpful to equip them in different ways that they're needing and so um even for me personally i'm just super excited to be able to now finally have something to give some of those people just to resource them further in the the work and the call that they have so i'm super excited for this yeah, that's beautiful. I still remember there was a couple of years ago, Terry and I were down in El Paso doing some work with a church on this side of the border. And uh, a missionary had couple had come over from Juarez 
And they were like, we'd love to take this stuff back into our area. Do you have anything like this in Spanish? And it's, it, at that time, we just felt helpless. We're like, nope, not nothing at all. So the tribe, we're all incredibly excited about the work you guys are doing. Looking forward to it. Cheering you guys on. How how will people know about this? What What's a good way to connect to say, hey, when we know this is going, is it just ForgeAmerica.com? Just kind of keep an eye out there and we'll probably blast it all over the place. Yeah, probably just keep an eye out for it. Um, <laughs> Or also, if you get like a cybernetic implant, we'll beam it oh to my. you. Wrong <laughs> <laughs> century. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a whole other podcast. We're not going to go there right now. That's that's a that's another deal. Well, cool. Thank you guys so much for being here. So excited to, to see you guys and to hear from you guys. And again, we've been asking all kinds of people from around the country. Hey. When you're looking at this time right now, as we're coming out of COVID or the fourth wave of COVID, who knows what's going on right now, right? Whatever's happening, things are happening. We're in the midst of some sort of change, upheaval. And as you look right now, uh, you guys work with a lot of different churches, a lot of different church leaders. Um, and I'd like to know, okay, when you're thinking about that as at this time that we're in, what are the questions you feel like the church should be asking right now? So someone challenged us a number of years ago, and they said, if if all you had was the Bible, how would you define the church? And then they kind of followed up with the challenge. Um, imagine you've never set foot in a modern day church and you've never experienced a modern day church service. And all you had was the New Testament. How would you then define church? And it, it's almost really important to just pause on that for a second, because whenever you ask someone, we've tested this out, you ask people to define church, most people immediately rush into modern cultural assumptions. And most people do not toggle over into like, what does the scripture say about church? There's so much there, right? So I think that's a that's a question we've been asking that's been helpful for us, but it's a question that the church has to be asking right now because COVID especially um, put pressures on our cultural identity. And yet what we saw last year is a lot of people were freed up in their spiritual identity as followers of Jesus. Different narratives emerging from the church. That's beautiful. So when you were saying that, Jeremy, it made me think of two things right off the top of my head. And one was, I think it was Seth Godin, you know, he's got this little, you know, he puts a little tweet out with a cool little blurb on it every once in a while. And at one point he talked about anchoring a conversation, you know, like when you, you say something, you've, you've put some anchors in that conversation. So for example, if your boss comes to you and says, I need these 35 PowerPoint slides ready by Thursday, anchors are 35 PowerPoint, it's got or 35 slides, it's got to be PowerPoint, it's got to be by Thursday. He's already anchored the conversation. And it feels like we've done that a lot with the church we've anchored a lot of what the church is inside of whatever it is cultural assumptions the things that we have inherited all of those things and it does feel like a lot of those things are going away you know and the other thing that you made me think of was i first heard this quote when terry and i were in new york a couple years ago we were doing a training and i think we had a church planner i think he was from queens i can't remember his name but he said this quote, which I, I later found out, I think it's a T.D. Jakes quote. And the quote is, most of the stuff that goes on in the church, we'd have to train Jesus on how to do it. A good friend of mine reminded me once, um, Jesus wouldn't get hired by most of our churches because 
from what we understand, he wasn't married and he didn't have children. He didn't go to a seminary. Like these are like the top three requirements for most pastoral positions. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you presented this question to a church? Yeah, it was like, yeah. So what was some of the feedback that you got? You know, there are some people that just looked at us with some blank stares like, what? I Like almost like I've never even thought of defining it in this way. Others kind of had some, it was cool to see there were a good bit that were kind of having this like nod of like, oh yeah, cool. You know, kind of like they were really considering like, how would I answer this if I was only using the New Testament? And how we, and how we presented that, it was within a conversation kind of about, um, you know, the believers in Acts two and four and practices that they had with each other and even just using that a good example of what the church looked like then uh, that's brilliant uh I, i'm kind of curious you know for people who might be listening and and kind of vibing with you and following with you how would you begin to unpack that challenge of, of asking that question you know, so if you if you had like just some basic advice for pastors who who are like willing to t- willing to even that's the that's the thing. This is a question some people aren't even willing to ask, right? They're like, I, I don't even want to, you know. It's like, you know, how are how is my meat processed? Don't don't give me the answer to that question, right? <laughs> some people may not even want to go, but for those who are brave enough to say, you know what, yeah, I'll I'll go down this this pathway and ask this question. How would you how would you advise them to begin to unpack that? Well, you know, you can go to the meat processing plant, or you can go find where the meat came from. That's good. Um, and I think that's that kind of there's a parallel there, right? Like, so if we we can look at the New Testament, but we also have to step back just a little bit further, ask the question uh, for all these instances in the New Testament where we have the word church. What would the original authors be intending what would the original hearers be hearing uh and so you have different forms of the word ecclesia and there's a lot of interesting theories around that word but at least the broad consensus that is not really debated the the broad consensus is it means some sort of gathering of the people and so the word implies a gathering and i think if we start with that then we can look into all these different contexts throughout the New Testament, especially how Jesus introduces the concepts, right? So there's a little bit of like a law of first mention there. I'm not going to go all the way into all of it, but I would say for the listener who wants to go a little further, look at how Jesus talks about church, right? His gathering, his people, um, and I would even encourage people to consider how to how does that relate to Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of heaven? And that's fascinating because you hear a lot of people talk about, especially kind of in the missional circles that we run in, you know, churches isn't, you know, stop saying welcome to church, but say, hey, welcome to the gathering or whatever. And the church is the people. And you hear that all the time, right? Church is the people, church is the people. And it's true. Church is the people, church is not a building. Um, but I think it's even important to challenge even that thinking and go deeper, go beyond that. And, and more than that church was a people, church was a, was a family unit. Most likely these were groups of family 
um, you know, whether through blood or through sweat, but there were some sort of connected groups of people who were living life together that didn't have, you know, regulated, scheduled out gathering points, but they just lived life together in, in, in an intimate manner. And so how do we take that and begin to build off some of those understandings of what it means? Yeah. And I think with that, like it definitely, your, your term for people considering this question is brave, right? Like, cause if you really start to think of it as a family, um, it definitely challenges almost everything that contemporary expressions look like. And it's been in that, that church that we kind of brought this up, like somebody was like, um, so how would we even create this type of a community? And it was like, you know, it's messy, it's painful. It's like, there's a lot of junk to deal with, a lot of having to learn how to bear each other's burdens and all of this. And yet, the, you know, you see in so many of the epistles, all of those like one another's suddenly actually become like, oh, this is a real thing I have to do <laughs> with the people that are around me. And and so it definitely, I mean, it, it becomes more uncomfortable in a lot of ways, um, even just considering how to take steps towards this type of, being these, this type of a people. Um, but I think in this time, even with our friends who are, you know, questioning even what is Christianity and who are the people who follow it um, to it, like, we are, others are hoping we would be a different type of people. Yeah. And so we, if we're wanting that we, there is a, a, we have to be courageous. We have to be brave to step into that. And yeah, it's, it definitely challenges a, a lot of assumptions and a lot of even like cultural things, self-protective sort of things that we might have. And, um, and yeah, again, that's where, as we read the new Testament, we, and see the examples there. I mean, I, I take comfort in the fact that the Corinthians were a mess because it's like, Oh, cool. You know, or, you know, you hear of so many stories and you're like, you know, stories of even interpersonal issues and stuff. And it's like, cool, like those people were normal people. They were human, just like we are. We and, and yet, you know, Paul calls the Corinthian saints. And so we are as well. And we can, we can continue to kind of experiment and develop towards what we see those gatherings, the examples that those gatherings had. Last season, Jeremy, you were a part of this. We did, we talked about that little equation we have, and it's the CME. So Christology informs your missiology, which then should form, inform your ecclesiology. In other words, how you gather. And we talked about how the ecclesiology should be the most flexible, the most nimble, right? That should be the thing that um, is not static, set it and forget it. Like this should be something that we continue to look at based on what our mission is, based on who Jesus is, you know, backing it back up. Uh, one of the, the things I love about the Tampa Underground story and the book, um, what's it called, Underground Church? Is that the book they put out a couple years ago? Was they have this beautiful vision of the people who had the the heart and the vision of how they wanted the Tampa Underground to come. Is They, they kind of said, hey, let's sit around the table and put all of the pieces of the church out on the table. 
and then take up each piece and kind of look at it and evaluate it and say, why do, why do we do this? So why do we gather? What is the point of the gathering? And then they kind of like put it all back together. They ended up with a lot of the same pieces, but they said, here's why we do it. Here's all that stuff. And at the end of the book, um, Brian talks about how he hopes that his kids don't just inherit the model that they created, but they do the same thing that they sit down and they actually unpack it and look at it and say, what is all this? What, what, what are we doing here? And keeping that very um, nimble, because when I think about the question that you asked, the trick is it goes back to the old, uh, do you remember the WWJD bracelets, right? And I was like, oh, what would Jesus do? Great question. But it's really, what would Jesus do if he were me living in my my little context with my family, with my job, all that stuff? That doesn't fit on a bracelet, but it's like, okay, what would the church look like? But what would the look, church look like in my area with these people? You know, the, the New Testament church, what would it look like here? You know, what what is the context here? Um, because it's that whole thing. The New Testament was never meant to be a blueprint. It's not It's not like, oh, here's this perfect ideal. Because you, you're right, they're filled with messed up people. But what's it look like to say, all right, hey, based on what I understand my place to be on who Jesus is, this is what the church would look like. Yeah, and I think with that, there's an aspect of like, um, at least for us and even people that have gathered with us and in different groups throughout, like there's an a freedom then that you actually get to experience the Ecclesia way more throughout the week and way more in so many more varied ways that instead of it being confined to a specific place at a specific time at a specific day on a specific day it suddenly fills things and we get to actually experience the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god his reign throughout our whole week and so then we get to like we are able to then have these discipleship actual relationships and our work play and live are all saturated now by this this movement of the Lord and his people and those around us who also don't know him yet. And there's a beauty, it adds a richness to life. Someone asked me recently, uh, where do you go to church? And my response was along the lines of, well, we are practicing being the church together with the people of God multiple days of the week all across our city so the question of where do i go to church like the parrot there's a problem with the paradigm behind that question right. and so it's like we're we're practicing being the people of god together all over the city and sometimes outside the city and all at all different hours of various days yeah, <laughs> yeah and there and there's some 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 deep implications of of living that way right that means that's that's opening your life up in a way that for some who may be church attenders with a very basic participation that's going to be uncomfortable for them and 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 i think that's it's i think it's a critique of our discipleship over the last 100 200 years that we we have not we have not done a good job of casting a vision of what the church should look like you know we could we could easily turn this conversation into a mental health conversation and the desperate need of how there's so many people who feel just absolutely alone. You know, you, you, I remember my grandmother used to say, go to church, whatever you do, just go to church. And, and I'm just, as a kid, I'm like, what, what, what are they going to do? They, what, it's like, if I walk through the door, something magical is going to happen. And, and, you know, and they, 
turn come to find out years later my grandma was a part of this very small faith community it had like 12 people in it you know and they still met in a building and 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 it was one of those things i remember i was i was my first couple years as a as a minister you know working for church plant that was trending mega that's what we were shooting for and i remember going to church with my grandmother and just 12 people and i remember sitting in the pew and just eviscerating that church in my mind i was like oh my gosh the preaching's horrible who this person should never be allowed to sing let alone sing in front of people and i just began to pick at everything that was wrong with this little community and oh man i was just a, an idiotic 22 year old you know kid and now looking back, the connection and relationships that that church had, and what was beautiful is it wasn't just a bunch of grandmas. My grandmother was one of just a couple in retirement age. There were young families, there were singles, there were different uh, races and ethnicities. She grew, she was in Houston, so Houston is such a beautiful melting pot. And there were Indians and Hispanics, and it was just a beautiful community. In my mind, I could not wrap my head around the idea. It's like, well, it looks so empty in here. This must be a bad church. But none of those people felt alone. They had a deep sense of community. They shared a meal after every gathering which now is a practice that I put in our gatherings. But yeah, and th th so this was a church that was way ahead of its time tapping into it, the old way of doing it. But again, the implications are deep. So how would you, how would you recommend churches who are looking to begin this process? We talk with a lot of larger churches about that very thing often. And, you know, the, I think a, a great approach is you don't have to overhaul everything immediately you don't have to throw out everything but you can it, you add in what is good and begin experimenting with what is good and so you know if there's a few people in the church who want to try you know some more intimate expression of church whether it's a micro church or organic church or however they want to call it but they have a meal together they're going to practice being the priesthood of all believers then let those first those those that are most excited about that encourage and free them up to start doing it and then as others in the church begin to see what's happening that's usually contagious there's something beautiful that comes out of it there's also a power dynamic that needs to be addressed and that is when if if my profession depends on you trusting me to always be the professional and suddenly i start empowering you to to take these things on yourself it does put my profession in threat. And so pastors and, and leaders of ministries have to be generous yeah. uh, and, and really trust the king of the church <laughs> to take care of the church, trust the spirit, trust that when we empower people to, to follow Jesus, maybe they're not gonna show up at our service, uh, but the goal should be their, their growth in Christ-likeness first and foremost, there's, there's definitely power dynamics that need to be addressed. And, and humility is the call for any leader who wants to explore these things. And can, can you guys, cause it sounds like, you know, the leaders, uh, pastors, one seeing themselves as equippers and stop seeing themselves as preachers, which is nothing wrong with preaching, but uh, I think we've, we've professionalized preaching, which I think is the, the mistake. 
but take back the 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 mantle of being an equipper but then also the importance of being a practitioner you know as the lead equipper being a practitioner can you guys speak a little bit to the importance of living as a practice yeah and i was thinking the exact same thing when jeremy was sharing like if, if there are pastors and leaders who are considering this like Part of it is for them themselves to start practicing it. Like I'm thinking of like really big churches, for example, like usually the pastor, the closest people to the pastor are other leaders or pastors within the church, right? So it may be that as if you're the lead pastor, you, you take a few of those that you feel a natural good friendship and connection. And yeah, after church actually have a meal together together maybe maybe most of you live close to the church so you know you can consider the neighborhood um and see how you can start interacting and that often will then transfer towards stories of their own personal lives that can cast a vision to the people in their church and i think too often pastors and leaders see the problem in their church and feel like I can just tell you to change things so you go but then they're not actually willing to start themselves first even and sometimes that might be best for you to just start it even before telling other people to do it just like start doing it yourself for like a month or two and then you're going to start seeing some cool things that like you won't be able to help but start sharing about it and then that's going to start to be even your own actions are affirmations towards that kind of living and so i feel like yeah for sure doing that yourself is it has to be the first because it's also permission giving then to everyone else in how more hierarchical, for lack of a better word, um, systems are like the people who are kind of higher in the leadership, like others are aim even subconsciously to imitate the ones that are actually in the leadership. You could be doing something that you don't even think should be imitated and then others will just because you're in a, the position that you are. And so if you do start to do some of these things, some of that imitation will actually come almost naturally just because of the structure that you're in. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you, Monica. First of all, I just want to say thank you guys for, for being on the podcast. And one, you guys are like living this out. And so it's so, so awesome that to have you guys on and yeah, to be able to lob a question that the church should be asking, but it's, it's really comforting uh, knowing that you guys are living this out, that you're truly seeking uh, to be the church uh, the way that God intended it for it to be. And, and so thank you guys for, for joining us and, and bringing this question. I, I pray that those who are listening uh, would find some some challenge in this. This is this is one of our tougher questions. So you guys totally no softballs today. You guys came in high and tight with the with the heat. So we appreciate it. Well, before we before we end our time, we've been doing this uh, all uh, this season so far. Is we're ending every one of our podcasts with what we're calling five quick questions. And so five kind of rapid fire questions, uh, just asking some random things. Uh, question number one: uh, What are you guys reading? What's what's been good that you've been enjoying your reading? I read many different things. Um, I'm actually reading a textbook on systematic theology. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice, nice, simple read. Very good. Yeah, you know. The abridged version of Millard Erickson's systematic theology. Yes. Nice. 
But, you know, alongside that, I also just read through the, like, I think it's called, like, artisan, it's gluten-free artisan bread in five minutes a day. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. made a loaf today. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Not the book, but the bread. <laughs> yes. Jeremy, um, how about you, buddy? Man, this, it's, I was thinking about this earlier. In the past couple of days, I think I've read 15 books. It wow. was it was like a nonstop reading fest. But the one that sticks out is called Theologia Germanica, anonymously written. And Martin Luther cited it as like next to the Bible. It was the most important thing he ever read. And I'm still not quite sure why it's interesting, but I'm like, <laughs> this is the most for that guy? Like, I don't know, but it's hard to find. It's like Theologia Germanica Earth. It's not, I'm not even saying it right. Um, <laughs> you can find it online, but it's really hard to find. You just dropped a deep cut, man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, now we're gonna transition from that to what have you been watching on the Netflix? Or what have you guys been watching? Anything you've been binging that you've been enjoying? Yeah, well, actually we've been watching through Stargate. <laughs> Old school. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So I never have seen it before. This is my okay. first time. And I'm like really enjoying it. <laughs> so SG1. SG1. Yeah. Nice. Love it. That's such a good show. And I'm always like reminded that the guy, the main character, Richard Dean Anderson, was MacGyver back in the 80s. Yeah. So like, what am I watching? Is this like sci fi or is he going to like suddenly like build some <laughs> contraption or whatever? So we're kind of coming out of quarantine a little bit. And so, uh, but what's been the funniest story or the coolest thing that's happened while you got during quarantine over the last year? I, mean, I think one of the coolest things is like, we've gone into the James River here in Richmond and just made complete fools of ourselves climbing our rocks. You go into the water and you think you have it all under control. And then like, you realize your life is in danger. <laughs> and so now you live and you're like, Wow, don't ever tell anyone that story. I said, you know, on the podcast that Funas Hamid will actually hear. Yeah, we've had a bunch of river adventures that yeah. some were like beautiful and great, others were genuinely like dangerous just because we didn't know what we're doing. Uh, I think coolest though, we uh, had we were able to go out to Colorado and we climbed the 14er, 14,000. 265 foot mountain. Yeah, I can't imagine. I did an 11,000 one. By the time we were driving up to the top, the trailer was having a hard time. But could not, I can't imagine why people would walk that far. But uh, and if you guys are listening, you don't know Monica is a is a fitness guru. She's a champion, and she's actually my fitness coach and my health coach. And so she's been super awesome. But yeah, so just yeah, I remember you, you were telling me it's like yeah, we we hiked up 14,000 feet and. I was like, one, how did Jeremy keep up with you? But way to go, bro. It sounds like you were right there with her. It took us seven hours, actually, from like beginning to end. It was technically about a 4,000 foot elevation, a little more than that or something. So we still, we started at about at around 10,000. Yeah. Still, yeah. It was, it was rough, but it was fun. <laughs> I can watch the original Star Trek, a Star Wars trilogy in about seven hours. So yeah, you know, just we, we all spend our time differently. You know, it's all good. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, what is bringing you guys uh, life? What is bringing you an immense amount of joy in your life right now? Rhythms of prayer. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm just seeing answered prayers. I mean, that's 
I feel like I've been in a season where the Lord's been calling me into deeper prayer. And that started even before COVID. But then, of course, the pandemic changes your schedule quite a bit and committed to a lot of like daily rhythms of prayer that have just been life-giving and life-saving. <laughs> yeah. I think um, also just like there's some, there's been some really beautiful interactions with people lately, just in general, I feel that have been really life-giving and encouraging in different ways. And with that also, like with a lot of the little house churches, missional communities, micro churches, whatever you want to call them, that like we are, that are connected to our network, it's just really it's been very joy filling to just see how each one has done in this like difficult time. Like, I don't know. I like, I kind of feel like a proud mama <laughs> in some senses. Like, I don't know. They're kind of going back even to what we were saying. Like they were committed to one another. They were faithful to continue to encourage each other towards the Lord to be creative and how they would gather over Zoom or over, you know, different ways, socially distanced outdoors or whatever. But like, and our, the groups are like fairly small anyway. But I don't know, just like, so it just fills me, I guess, with a lot of joy to just like see people walking with Jesus with other people in cool ways. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and then question five, our final question. What is your favorite thing about Richmond? What's your favorite thing about home? I mean, it's such an eccentric city. We've loved it. Been here almost 10 years. And I mean, it's just, there's like a personality here yeah. in the city that's just weird and yeah, very unique. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And like the, di the there's like a cool diversity throughout the city in lots of different ways, like artistically to, you know, um, food-wise to drink-wise, like in every way, it's just very not, it's not monotonous as a city. And um, I, I really like that about it. And mm -hmm. the fact that even though it's a tiny city, it's technically it is kind of a river city and most people in the city really love doing outdoor things. And so as soon as it's nice out, it's like, the whole city is doing things everywhere and there's just a cool vibrancy to it. And I would, I would just say, you know, Richmond recently has even made national headlines for a lot of its self bruising. <laughs> um, but in the bruises and the scars, um, we, you know, we're deeply embedded in this city well enough that we can say there's so much hope yeah. and there's a lot of healing happening and there's a lot of like, like that's one of the things that we just love about this city is like in spite of its 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 battled past no pun intended um it's it's the rough past that this city has had there's still incredible hope and like incredible acts of love and sacrifice yeah. and generosity from many people in the city towards others in the city and yeah um so like there's just a, a very powerful, positive narrative of the good news uh, in this city. And we've loved seeing that. Well, thank you guys for being on the podcast today. People can pick up the book, Kingdom Contours at amazon.com. And then they can contact you guys through forgerichmond.com. Is that correct? Is that yeah. still perfect? Yeah. 
Uh, and if you're listening, I would encourage you, if you haven't picked up Kingdom Contours, uh, it is one of the best synthesized books on, I mean, anything that we've talked about in this podcast, uh, they they have synthesized some of that information and put it in very uh, easy, easy to read and process ways. And then I would encourage you read the book and then reach out to these guys. These guys are fantastic uh, trainers and leaders and practitioners, and you would be blessed to have them uh, speak to your team, whether you're a mega church that just trying to figure it out, or you're just a small little group of people who want to figure out how to be God's uh, family uh, where you live, work, and play. And so thank you guys again. You guys are awesome. Can't wait till number five. Uh, You're definitely becoming a podcast favorite. And we want to thank you guys for listening, whether you're at home or driving or wherever you're doing. Uh, Make sure you like us on our social media. Uh, Recommend us to your friends who might uh, get a get be benefit be would be benefited from listening to our podcast share it with your friends uh until next time uh we'll see you then thanks guys